And now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at StanTheFan. Now sit back and enjoy the bat around. Guys, take it away. And welcome in on this September the 8th. Stan the Fan here, flying solo today. Well, not exactly totally solo. I've got Miss Brittany Everett in here that will uh, make sure we uh, hit our breaks on time and make sure the guests that we've got scheduled are uh, going to arrive on time. But Craig Heist, uh, probably still waterlogged from last night. The Nats and the uh, Cubs were supposed to play down at Nats Park at 7.05, 7.06 yesterday. They had about an hour and 20-minute rain delay uh, that got the game's first pitch on at 8.26. They got somewhere into the second inning, and I'm guessing that was at about 9 o'clock. And the next thing I know, I heard from Craig Heist uh, on – uh, after bird watching, he arrived, and they were still in a rain delay at somewhere around eleven o'clock last night. So they had a rain delay, a second rain delay of over over two hours last night, and they finally um, about eleven thirty, I think they uh, f- uh, pulled the plug on that one. They will play a, a doubleheader today uh, at three o'clock and at uh, I guess the regular time. At 7.05. I think that's the the story. Cubs, by the way, will be pitching uh, Jamie Garcia, or maybe it's pronounced Jaime Garcia, um, who pitched uh, last year, I think, with the Twins and the Yankees. may have thrown in a third team, formerly of the Atlanta Braves. This year, he was with the Toronto Blue Jays. Didn't work out too well with the Cubs uh, in sort of a... I won't call it quite a desperate need for pitching, but um, they need as many options as possible with the injuries to you, Darvish, and Tyler Chatwood and the ineffectiveness of Tyler Chatwood. Uh, they've gotten very little out of those two huge contracts. Uh, well, uh, let me back up there. The, out of the you Darvish huge contract and the Tyler Chatwood reach contract, uh, it's not incredibly huge unless you look at the body of Tyler Chatwood's work. I would have thought, and again, I didn't sleep at a Holiday Inn Express last night, and I'm certainly not a general manager of a team, but I thought that, uh, you know, about eight and a half, nine million dollars a year for a couple years would have been about right for Tyler Chatwood. The, The Cubs, sensing that the market would go high on him, they chose to go way high, uh, and they paid him $39.5 million over three years and have gotten very little to show for that. So anyway, Cubs um, and the Nats rained out last night uh, after two lengthy rain delays. Uh, they play a doubleheader. Craig Heist is sleeping in. We're going to make sure we wake him in about a half an hour to make sure he can uh, – accommodate us at about 11.35 this morning uh, to finish up the show on his way out to the ballpark. Um, and they'll keep their fingers crossed again that they can get the game in because there's – is there supposed to be rain, Brittany, all over? I mean, this weekend is supposed to be 
like crazy rain around these parts. Right, yeah, I think there's a hurricane off the coast that might be coming in. And so we also have the rain. remnants of the tropical storm that hit the Gulf Coast. So it's it's a mess. Ravens game tomorrow uh, due to be played in a rain. Uh, I don't know whether it's a total downpour all game long, but it doesn't sound like optimum weather. The, the weather is so crazy right now. My cousin Ron Matz of WJZ-TV told me yesterday he saw something on Twitter that the um, Cleveland Browns-Steelers game, which is due to also kick off, I think, at 1 o'clock tomorrow, that they're talking about even potentially pulling the plug on that game because of incredible rains due to hit the Cleveland area, seven inches of rain uh, due to hit Cleveland tomorrow, maybe tonight and tomorrow. But they're talking about possibly that's almost unheard of in the National Football League unless you have a tragic event like uh, 9-11 or something like that. They, they just don't cancel National Football League games. Although the Falcons and the Eagles were delayed, I think, about 35 minutes uh, on kickoff Thursday night because of lightning and thunder. So... Uh, acts of God uh, seem to be playing a part in our sports calendar. Uh, Orioles, um, mercifully, the only thing you can say is that the season got one came one game closer to conclusion last night as the Orioles took it on the chin from the um, uh, Tampa Bay Rays, fourteen to two. Dylan Bundy was just absolutely awful last night. And the fact is, he's been absolutely awful his last 11 starts. He's had one good start in there, and that was against, I believe it was against Kansas City, but not just now when we were out in Kansas City. I think it was when Kansas City was here a few weeks back. Uh, But Dylan Bundy finished up his work on June the 23rd. That was the day that he got hurt running the bases. He tweaked an ankle or turned an ankle. He missed the next 13, 14 days. And at that time, Dylan Bundy had a 3.75 earn run average through 96 innings. His earn run average over his last 54 innings is about 8.5, which has raised his overall ERA for the season to about 5.3, 5.4, something like that. Prior to his injury on June the 23rd, opponents were hitting 238, had a 299 on base percentage, and were slugging something like 440 against him. Since he's returned, opponents are batting 335. Their own base percentage, I think, is something like 380 against him, and they're slugging like 660 against him. He's been just god awful. Um, True, he had given up a a fair number of home runs, but mostly in a few games over his first 16 starts of the season, that 96 innings that led to a 3.75 earned run average. I think he had given up 18 uh, 18 home runs in those first uh, 96 innings. These last 54 innings, his, he's given up, like, I think 21. I should be able to look this up much more carefully. But he's given up 37 in the season 
and he'd only given up 16 or 18 through that first 96 innings. Not not a great total. That's still not how you want your pitchers to give up home runs. But a lot more of those, I think, were solo. Since he's come back, it seems like he routinely is giving up two and three run homers, an awful lot of three run homers by Dylan Bundy. And uh, it's gotten to the point right now, despite the fact that he says he's fine, I would look to move Dylan Bundy either to uh, just pull the plug on his season right now or use him in relief a couple times, two or three times uh, the rest of the season for two or three innings at a clip. Uh, He is not... Buck Showalter taught me a word when he first got in Baltimore uh, in 2010 about pitchers, about being able to defend yourself. You know, it's a a lot. You hear that term when a right-hander can't get left-handed hitters out. He's got to learn how to better defend himself. Well, Dylan Bundy right now is really defenseless. He's walking way too many hitters, and that leads to – non-solo home run situations. Last night, though, I do have to admit, and this is not taking the onus off of Dylan, he pitched horribly, but I think clearly something is wrong with Dylan Bundy. Uh, You don't go from being the kind of pitcher that we've seen. We know he can be a little bit streaky, but this is probably, I think, the worst streak he's had as a big league pitcher these last 11 starts. It's just been unbelievable. He's in 54 innings. He's given up 53 earned runs. That's not good. Uh, you know, I may not be a uh, sabermetrics genius, but that's not good. 53 innings and 50, 53 runs, uh, earned runs given up in 54 innings. So uh, I would just pull the plug on Dylan Bundy at this point in the season. Um, I, I don't see anything to be gained in his last, say, three or four starts. Um, <clears throat> some people diagnose it as a tired arm. I think there's something with his inability to plant properly, uh, that he's uncomfortable under his feet, uh, and therefore he's leaving a lot of balls up. He's not following through and getting on top of the ball and getting it sinking. It's always up. Uh, and it's very hittable. Um, the only pitch he's got really that defends himself a bit is that slider, which he does use occasionally to good luck or to good fortune, uh, but he doesn't use it nearly. The trade-off there is that's a that can be a dangerous pitch to throw a lot. And Dylan Bundy was throwing it a lot earlier in the season, so maybe there's something there that he's wanted to shy away from using that, not to tweak his arm. But he is simply not helping the Baltimore Orioles at all. We got a a taste of a new pitcher last night. Luis Ortiz, the um, pitcher picked up in the – hold on. I think I got a message from Craig Heist. Hold on. Let's see what Craigie's saying. Call Richard. Okay. You do not have to call Richard now because I got what number he wants to be called on. All right. But, again, as Craig – Okay, Craig, you still will have to call Craig, though, because he didn't confirm whether he can be on with us at 1135. That's a little live production of the radio program. Uh, This is the Bat Around. We'll be here until 12 noon today. Again, Craig Heist, who uh, normally would be functioning as my co-host, 
uh, waterlogged and late last night. And I said to him, Craig, don't drive in 25 miles to, uh, to do this show. We'll just uh, use you for free for about 20 minutes. So we've got a very entertaining show today, seriously. Um, you know him, you love him, you follow him, Rich Dubroff, formerly of PressBox, formerly of ComcastSportsNet.com, uh, is going to join us. He's now with BaltimoreBaseball.com. We'll talk to him a little bit about uh, his involvement uh, taking over that site, uh, the content providing for the site, BaltimoreBaseball.com. He still remains a friend. He's got uh, the ability to, to kind of do his own thing, which is something he's always wanted to do, and we wish him nothing but the best. This will be his first visit with us in about six or seven weeks. Um, at 10.45, and Rich is going to join us at, in about five or six minutes. Joining us at 10.45-ish is the Washington Post very fine baseball writer Dave Shinen. And uh, the other day I was up in... Um, uh, in the New Jersey, New York area. I had to go up there for my mother-in-law's unveiling. It's been uh, 15 months since she passed away. And I just happened, I don't even know how, I think it must have been on Facebook. Uh, he, wrote a, he wrote a piece, and I think he must have been pushing it out there. And it was a, pe- a piece about a, a baseball pitcher uh, that was just really kind of heartbreaking. It was beautifully written because Dave is a, a really solid writer. The pitcher's name is Brian Mazzone. Brian had toiled in the uh, Phillies organization, I believe, the entire time. Uh, but he had waited seven or eight years to get his Major League debut. And I think at the time... He was 20, I want to say 26 or 27 years old, and it was September 5th, 2006. Brian Mazzone was was in the midst of his best minor league season where he put together a good six or seven start stretch at double-A. They brought him up to Scranton-Wilkesboro, which was then the Phillies' triple-A farm club, and I think he was really effective there. So combined, I think he won like 14. He was like 14 and 6 at the two stops, and his earned run average was in the twos. Uh, <clears throat> they bring him up to start a game, and I think it was Randy Wolf who pitched briefly for the Orioles um, in about 2010 or 11. Um, toward the very end, I think the Orioles may have been, no, I think the Brewers may have been the last team that Randy pitched for. But anyway, Randy Wolf at that time was a really accomplished starter and had been for six or seven years in the Phillies or organization. He was hurt. They brought up Mazone to pitch for, for Wolf. Um, and I'd really have to know, I'm guessing the Phillies were still pretty good then um, and might have been in the hunt. I didn't read that part of the, the. Uh, I mean, I didn't research further than the story uh, to to sharpen up my recollection. But anyway, he's supposed to pitch a game at Citizens Bank Park on September fifth, two thousand six. He gets there to the park, and it, from the entire time where he got to Philadelphia, it was weather like this. It was just a constant deluge of rain showers. And his opportunity got washed away. He actually had a uniform number. He was listed in the lineup, you know, as batting ninth and pitching for the Phillies, Brian Mazzone. Uh, and he never got to pitch in the big leagues. And now it's, um, he wrote this piece on August 30th. So it's now 12 years later 
Uh, pretty emotional piece and really well done. We'll then be joined at 11.05-ish by Richard Justice of MLB.com, and we'll have a whole host of things to talk to Richard about. Uh, he's always entertaining, he's always informative, and he's always interesting, and he's got some interesting takes. And then, as promised, we'll try and uh, make our connection with one Craig Heist. Um, but anyway, last night... Orioles clobbered. I got off on a side on a tangent there. Luis Ortiz, I had people this week on my show that comes on after uh, Oriole games on Facebook Live, which I do on my personal page, and it's brought to you by ThompsonAutomotive.com. I'll give them a little plug here. Um, and uh, Luis Ortiz picked up in the Jonathan Scope trade, originally a Texas Ranger, traded in that trade a couple of years back, I think three years ago during 2016, in the trade that sent uh, Jonathan LaCroix and Jeremy Jeffress uh, to the Milwaukee Brewers. LaCroix now a catcher with the Oakland A's. Jeffress back with the Brewers. But uh, Luis Ortiz went there. And he was uh, immediately sent to Biloxi, which is the Bowie Bay Sox of the Milwaukee Brewers organization. He pitched the second half of 2016 there, made about six or eight starts there, and pitched very well at Double-A Bowie, uh, Biloxi. So 2017 comes up. Where does Luis Ortiz go? Does he go up to their Triple-A Farm Club, which right off the bat I can't think of. Milwaukee's AAA Farm Club, but no, he stays at Biloxi, and his numbers go backwards. He goes from having like a three earn run average to about a four three four four uh, earn run average in his starts there, and I think it's like sixteen or eighteen starts there in two thousand seventeen. So where does he go in two thousand eighteen for the Milwaukee Brewers? Where do you think he started, Brittany? I'm going to go with Biloxi. Very good. Ah. You're very smart. Very smart. Towson education. Yep. So there you have it. And his number's a little bit better than they were last year at Biloxi. But this is a pitcher, think like Kevin Gausman. Now, I, again, I'm all for making a pitcher earn his way to the major leagues. But it seemed to me that in 2016, he had perhaps earned a promotion. They didn't think he was polished enough. They made him go down for not one year, two more years at AA. The Orioles, when they acquired him, they took him to AAA, and he pitched pretty well with uh, Norfolk, I think over three or four starts, and the Orioles just brought him up the other day. I've had people on the bat around uh, excuse me, after bird watching, suggesting, well, do you think now that Ortiz is here, uh, he and Rogers can be penciled into the starting rotation next year with Bundy, with um, Cobb, and with Kashner? And I said, hey, pump the brakes just a little bit. First of all, I think this guy might be much better suited to being a two-inning guy than a um, you know six- or eight-inning guy. Um and last night, he made his Major League debut. We're always willing to give a pitcher the benefit of the doubt on that occasion because there's a lot of nerves involved with that. I did see a couple things I liked about Luis Ortiz, but as a, as a whole, um, he did not look Major League ready last night. But we'll give him the benefit of the doubt, but I think at least give my point of view the benefit of the doubt 
and let's not write him into the starting rotation for 2019 just yet. Joining us now, uh, formerly of Comcast Sportsnet and formerly of PressBoxOnline.com and PressBox, now doing his own thing as the major content provider for BaltimoreBaseball.com is my friend Rich Dubroff. Rich, welcome back to the program. Nice to be here, Stan. Good to hear your voice. Thank you. It's good. Uh, listen, you. Uh, what is this? Uh, before we get, I know nobody's going to take out violins for the writers uh, uh, in this Trump generation. Especially, nobody feels sorry for writers. But you're a sports writer. I know you're not a guy that sits there and actively roots for the Orioles to do well. But I also know that you like the team to do well that you cover. It's more interesting. What has this season been like to cover? Well, and it's better, and, and it's better for business if they do well yeah. because more people read you, and uh, I mean, and that's much easier to measure yeah. in this generation than uh, than it was in the past. Well, for me personally, it's just been a strange year because you know, uh, as you mentioned, I, I switched jobs <laughs> at um, at uh, at the All Star break just in time for. Uh, just in time for the tumult to begin. Right. Uh, you know, it's been a challenge. You know, it's been uh, an interesting year to write about. It's been, you know, uh, a year that's been terrible to watch on the field. And if you concentrate just on the games, uh, then you'd think, oh, there's nothing to write about. But there's plenty. You know, there's plenty to write about. There's lots of, you know, there's lots of copy. There's and, always new. Uh, there's always new. Uh, uh, and there's a new dra- There's new. There's a new, new drama every day. Exactly. Man. Exactly. And there's going to be drama for the final three weeks of the season, and right, and you know, at the end of the season too. So there's no, there is no shortage of uh, of material here, Stan. I'm sure. Now, last night uh, the Orioles brought up Luis Ortiz. There was all this, uh, and it was amazing that the left hand didn't know. Let the right hand know. After the game, we found out that David Hess was going to start tonight, but there was all this these rumors about the fact that he'd been hit in the face. They showed the video of it uh, by a football. Uh, you know, they were throwing footballs. Um, they were throwing footballs, and uh, one of them hit him in the face or the eye, and uh, and they were talking all game long. Gary Thorne and Mike Bordick, who was going to start tonight? Would it be Ramirez? I think it was Jim Hunter. Jim Hunter, that's right. It was Jim Hunter and Mike Bordick. They were talking whether it was going to be Ramirez, whether it was going to be Ortiz, Yacobonis. And at the end of the game, calmly we find out after both of those guys were used, not Yacobonis, the other two, that David Hess is going to start tonight. Is he okay? Yeah, he says he is. Okay. Uh, we talked to him after the game. His eye, there wasn't even, uh, uh, it didn't look like much evidence of, uh, of the football. And, you know, for fans... Fans who keep writing in, you know, who tweet, oh, what are they doing throwing footballs? All, you know, it's a common conditioning drill in Major League foot, in Major League Baseball. Right. Uh, teams do it all the time. It's good for their it's good for their arms. It's good for their conditioning, um, and it's fun for them. So, yeah, it happened. It wasn't the first time. Uh, it was a, there was a mishap with the Orioles. Michael Bourne in spring training last year, 2017. Uh, broke a finger catching a you know catching a pass during a conditioning drill, and he uh, he ended up not making the team because of that. So uh, you know it's something that it's something that that's that's done also to alleviate just the boredom of uh, 
you know, the boredom of throwing. So, uh, it, you know, it's generally a harmless kind of drill. Uh, we're talking with Rich Dubroff of BaltimoreBaseball.com. So, Rich, last night we did get to see the, one of the newest Orioles, Luis Ortiz. Um, thoughts on what you saw? Uh, it, was pretty, it, it, it was pretty ugly, what we saw from Ortiz. Uh, and the whole game was pretty ugly. So, uh, I mean, what we're seeing right now, I think, Stan, is sort of glorified spring training. Uh, you look at the lineup, and it's sort of uh, last night's lineup was kind of a lineup that uh, that they'd send to uh, Dunedin yeah. for a, a yeah. game against the Blue Jays. Right. The only difference would have been that Adam and Chris Davis and everybody would have been in Sarasota. Right. They were all there but in Tampa last night. They were all there watching. But yeah. uh, I, I think that, you know, the results of the games uh, are not terribly you know, are not terribly important uh, because they're trying to look to see, uh, you know, who can possibly help them next year. And, you know, these are not, Stan, what you're watching, these are not the guys. Right. In most cases. These are the guys that they hope can get them to the real guys. So, uh, you know, and, and, and if they find a couple along the way, that they think can help, and there may be, you know, a few. Uh, that's that's great, but you know, don't expect from what you've seen uh, a lot of, uh, you know, a, a lot of great stuff. You know, Rich, it's interesting. Buck Showalter taught uh, taught us something over, and I know he's taught you a lot of baseball, and I've learned a lot from him too. And I think he's exactly right. Don't. Don't take into account too much what somebody looks like in spring training, and don't take them too much into account uh, how do they do in September during their call-up in September. So given that, now Buck Showalter is sort of talking. I heard him before the game last night, like, hey, got to look at these guys. Got to start looking at these guys. Wouldn't, you know, for a team that waited so long to, to bring up a Cedric Mullins, I know they've got a bunch of new guys, but boy, they sure waited an awful long time to find out about these guys. Well, they sure they waited a long time to watch out to 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 look at Mullins. Yep. But most of these other guys, a lot of them were were a lot of them were there or not in the organization. You know, as you mentioned, I mean, you're looking at you know Jonathan. You know, you're looking at Jonathan Villar and uh, you know uh, Luis or you know Luis Ortiz. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, Josh Rogers, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know Josh Rogers, and you, you know you've already seen some. You know you've already seen some others, like Bravik Valera, but they, these guys weren't in the organization. John Andrioli wasn't in the organization, right? Until you know the middle of August. So, you know, it, it's it, it's really not very much fun to watch if you just you know if you're just clinically looking at the game. Yep. Uh, there's not you know there's not much much to watch i mean if you can find uh you know a pitcher who might be able to you know who might be able to help them uh you know i mean there's some stuff that's been interesting uh at times uh jeffrey ramirez has been yeah he's you know, been interesting has been interesting yeah. and josh rogers has pitched a little better than i thought he would i mean you know he's a younger version of wade miley i think and so right ways. and uh austin wins has been um uh, you know, I think has shown that he's a major league catcher. 
you know, he's not a front line major league catcher. Right. But he's right. a you know, but he's a major league catcher. But these are the guys generally these are the guys that are gonna gonna get you to the other guy. Let me ask you a question. I did some math last night and I know it, it grates on you when I always point to the four and nineteen finish or four and twenty three finish last year. But from from last year, this is what I did last night during the game about the seventh inning. I said, I need a topic for after bird watching. So I said, it's one thing if you're disappointed that the Orioles are so far behind the Boston Red Sox or the New York Yankees, and those teams have a disparate salary structure compared to the Orioles, although the Orioles started this year with a $140 million uh, payroll. Uh, but I went back to when the Orioles were 22-10 and 10 last year. From that point in time, the Orioles have won, I want to say, 93 games and lost 177, something like that, very close within a game or two. The Tampa Bay Rays, during that same period, after their first 32 games last year, are 140 and 130. The Orioles are, in the two combined seasons, are about 45 games, 46 games behind the Tampa Bay Rays. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Well, what's amazing, I was looking at the standings just for this year, and to see that the Rays, you know, with the team that they're putting on the field, right. Are twelve games over five hundred? Yep. Uh, that's uh, to me. I mean, uh, that's that's to me amazing. I mean, they have they have now they have what's turned out to be a top shelf pitcher mm-hmm. in uh, Blake Snell. In, uh, Blake Snell, and they traded another really good one in in Chris Archer, who hasn't you know who hadn't done all that well this year. Uh, but you look at the Rays and you think, well. Wow, the Orioles should be you know the Orioles should certainly be better uh yeah. you know yeah. better than than they do than they than they've been. Yeah. And you know the, there's so many there's so many reasons. And you know we've talked about this over the months. Uh you know of course there's the international uh you know there's the international scouting which it's going to take them years to get yeah. you know to, to get back to to where they should be because they were so far out of it. Uh, domestic scouting. Well, you know, there hasn't been a number one pick by the Orioles that's made it, made that's made it since Kevin Gosman. Mm-hmm. You know, in uh, you know, in, in these years, uh, you know, their top shelf picks haven't done, you know, haven't done well. They've, they, you know, they've had some depth picks. I mean, certainly Trey Mancini was a, was an excellent pick, but he was a, you know, he was an eighth round pick. Uh, wins was uh, I think a tenth round pick. Uh, so and then of course you know the moves in in trading uh, trading players that you know whether it was too late or too early, uh, giving up on um, some free agents who uh, you know turned out to do really well or signing yep. uh, the wrong free agents. I mean there's so many there's so many things that that you can point to here, Stan. That, that, that have gone wrong for this this team. We're talking with Rich Dubroff of BaltimoreBaseball.com. Rich, I want to get back to the Orioles for a minute, but I'd be remiss. You're a good friend, and uh, uh, we've we've parted amicably as you're working for PressBox, and we, we applaud your move over to BaltimoreBaseball.com. It's kind of like a domino effect with Dan Connolly leaving there to go to the National. Um, tell us a little bit about what's 
different at BaltimoreBaseball.com than it was under Dan, or is it exactly the same, only a different byline? What are you doing with the site? Well, uh, I mean, I'm I'm not I Dan and Steve Cocky who um, started you know, who's the, the site, publisher. Sure. Um, you know, they they started it together, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm I sort of it's not really a turnkey operation, but I just do what I. You know what I think people want to write about, want to read about. You know, I'm not, I'm not Dan Connolly, and uh, I just write what I think. I bet people... your wife, I bet your wife, every time you come home, is very glad about that. Uh, that you're not uh, well. You know, I mean, she's just, very, she's just very happy every time I come home. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, I think that you know, I'm, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to write. What, pe- what I think people want to read. All right, and uh, um, that's you know I, I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to be Dan, who's of course an outstanding writing uh, writer and reporter, uh, and but I'm you know I'm I'm just me. You're doing. Uh, your I don't thing. know. I don't know if I'm writing as often as he did mm-hmm. or not as much. Uh, uh, I'm writing what I think you know needs to be told. All right. What needs to be told? We've got about three or four minutes more with you, and then we'll let you get on your way. Um, by the way, are you, I know you're a big fan of presidential libraries. Have you seen the, um, oh, God, what's the comedian's name that took John Stewart's place um, uh, on The Daily Show? Um, yeah. You, you know I'm, who I'm, I'm talking. You know who I'm talking. No, about? I don't. I'm okay. Sorry. Anyway, they did a hilarious satire on the Donald Trump twitter library <laughs> it's very funny i'll have to send it to you anyway yes. i digress let's uh, talk about the the one um, eight thousand pound elephant in the room in baltimore these days the season ends in 20 days 22 days whenever uh right. where do you think the orioles will be come october 10th to 15th will they have a New baseball person in charge? Is Dan fully in charge? Is Dan going to keep Buck? Is a new person going to come in and keep Dan? Uh, you know, what's the, is there any drama to this? Because there's sure there is so much dra- there's so much drama that I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there the the drama. You know, I think the, the I think that what the old cliche is: those who say. You know, those who don't know say, and those who say don't know. Exactly. Yep. And I think, I think that that would be the case here. Okay. We'll just sort of wait and find out and read the tea leaves uh, when, it's, uh, when it's over. Um, it, or, well, there, there may be some, you know, there may be some hints as we go along. Yep, we'll see. It's been interesting. You would agree that Dan Duquette and Buck Showalter, while, while it's never been, you know, one stabbing the other in the back, their relationship has been spotty at times. They really seem to at least be on the same page in a lot of ways right now. No, I wouldn't say that. That's I wouldn't okay. say that's the case. Uh, you're much closer to it. I than would I am. not say that. You know, I wouldn't say necessarily that's the case. I think that they're both interested in uh, continuing. You know, I think yep. that they're both interesting continuing in their in their roles. Uh, and I think that uh, it, it seems unlikely that both will be back. Yep. In their pre- you know, if I had to say one thing, I would just say, uh, I, my guess would be, I don't see both of them back in their same role. Okay. I it think could that's be, fair. It, it could be. Yeah. Or it could be one, you know, one's back in one role. 
or it could be but neither yeah. is back. I, it would I don't be, know. It would be fascinating to to look and see if a manager has ever returned after you know a manager or a general manager after such a disastrous season. I mean, well, yeah, just, Casey Stengel did in 1962. All right, but that was the team's first year in their history. Yeah, um, all I, right. actually, I think the. Uh, didn't uh, Alan Trammell return after 119 losses in I think, 2003? I think he might have. I think he might have. Uh, also, uh, and, and it's interesting. It's interesting. Uh, we really appreciate your being on with us. As always, we wish you much luck, and it's still a pleasure to sit next to you uh, during the games. I wish the games were better, though, and more enjoyable. Well, Stan, you know, you know, there's only one thing I can tell you. Yeah. That the you just te- can't predict baseball. Yep, and and that the jersey of the night will always be there. Correct. Well, I don't know. It's been a sl- it's been slim pickings <laughs> there lately too. All right. Good luck. We'll see you out at the ballpark this week. Safe travels down there in Tampa. All right. My pleasure. Thank you, Stan. All right. There you have it. Rich Dubroff uh, leaving us. Um, Rich doing a real good job on his uh, site, uh, BaltimoreBaseball.com. Our coverage has been picked up by uh, Todd Karpovich, a good friend of PressBox and a uh, uh, a jack-of-all-trades when it comes to sports. Boy, he covers uh, lacrosse, he covers soccer, he covers uh, college football, he covers Navy for us, Navy football, uh, and right now doing double duty with covering the Baltimore Orioles for us. All right, Orioles will play tonight at 6.10. want to remind you that there will be no after-bird watching tonight. Uh, my wife and I have plans with uh, some friends, and there will be no after-bird watching tonight or tomorrow. I will, however, uh, endeavor to do a show Monday night at about 9 o'clock. It will not be pegged to a game. It will merely be pegged to the fact that I want to reconvene our, our group, sometimes small, sometimes large. Uh, and, and speaking of which, I want to remind you, if you are watching today on Facebook Live, please, when you come to one of these shows, whether it's my show here uh, on PressBoxOnline.com, you, you come via Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports, whether you do that with Ken Zalis's show tomorrow or whether you do it with Glenn Clark's show all week long, please remember to like and share these shows. The same with After Bird Watching. It's amazing how three or four people, six people, eight people, if we could get shares up to seven or eight, ten people, it would be amazing the number of views we'd get on shows like this. And since we do try and monetize them, it's very important to us. So we urge you to like and share any of the shows you watch here at Facebook Live. Really appreciate that. All right, it's time to pay a couple bills, and I'm going to tell you about PressBox's Project Game Day. It's back at halftime and postgame for every Baltimore football game. You can react live with us on PressBox's Facebook page. Glenn Clark hosts at halftime, and he's joined by the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard, postgame. Project Game Day is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Catch all the action at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, where they have tons of TVs to catch every moment of every game. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. PressBox is Project Game Day, facebook.com slash Sports. Respect. It's more than a word. 
In the U.S. Army Reserve, it is a core value, a value that brings together a variety of people from across the nation to answer the call to serve. Serving part-time in the U.S. Army Reserve means earning the respect of your community and your nation, all while pursuing your career and educational goals and staying close to home. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may qualify to earn up to $20,000 in bonuses when you join. To see if you qualify, visit GoArmy.com reserve or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. It's Jerry Chevrolet's 2018 model year-end clearance event with unbelievable savings on many new Chevys. New Chevy Cruises and Malibus priced up to 30% off MSRP. New Chevy Equinox and Silverado trucks priced up to 25% off. Jerry Chevrolet has so much inventory to choose from, you may take home two. Visit Jerry Chevrolet at the corner of Joppa Road and Pairing Parkway and online at jerrychevrolet.com. All prices plus tax tags and freight. Sale ends September 30th. Pressbox's Project Game Day is back at halftime and post-game for every Baltimore football game. You can react live with us on Pressbox's Facebook page. Glenn Clark hosts at halftime, and he's joined by the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard post-game. Project Game Day is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Catch all of the action at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, where they have tons of TVs to catch every moment of every game. Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. Pressbox's Project Game Day. Facebook.com slash Sports. Score big at the Green Turtle with our legendary crab dip, juicy burgers, or any of our delicious boardwalk iced teas and lemonades. Bring the whole team and celebrate your latest win in our rent-free party room. Need to raise money for your sports league or team? Our Funds for Friends program has raised over $1 million for local sports organizations. Everyone is a winner at the Turtle. Visit thegreenturtle.com to find your local turtle. Our buddy Steve at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square has sweetened the menu with the Summer of Peach, featuring a chili and delicious white peach tea lemonade that combines tea and lemonade with fresh white peaches. Many of us were already mixing tea and lemonade, while Chick-fil-A added the extra twist of an essential summer taste, peach. Visit the official Glen Clark Radio Chick-fil-A store on Campbell Boulevard in Nottingham Square. Hi, it's Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer from Glenn Clark Radio. We're going to be talking a lot of Lamar Jackson on our show, but I want to make a promise right now. For those of you that tune in to Glenn Clark Radio, Monday through Friday from 10 to noon, we will talk about something unrelated to Lamar Jackson for at least 30 solid seconds every day. Kyle, I thought maybe we should give people an idea of some of the topics that we might discuss other than Lamar Jackson. For example, we might talk about Chick-fil-A sauce. Aliens. The television program Detroiters. Jesus stealing pizza. All these things are options for... For 30 solid seconds, and then we'll go right back to Lamar Jackson. GlennClarkRadio.com, PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, and watch the show Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. The latest edition of PressBox is available now, and it's our annual college football preview edition, in which we offer thorough previews of the season for all of the FBS, FCS, and Division III programs in the state. Additionally, the edition includes a preview of the high school football season for the region as well. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Orioles, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. And we are back on the bat around on this Saturday morning. It's 10.43 in the a.m. We'll be here until 12 noon. Coming up, uh, Dave Shinen of the Washington Post joins us in about two minutes. Uh, Richard Justice joins us in about 22 minutes. And then Craig Heist in 
about 50 minutes, and uh, we'll make our way to 12 o'clock. Orioles uh, back in action tonight at 6.10 p.m. David Hess will go against, we now know, a starter uh, or an opener for the um, Tampa Bay Rays. It will be Diego Castillo, who I believe is a relief pitcher. Uh, and tomorrow at 1.10, Alex Cobb will pitch against an as-yet-undecided opener for the Tampa Bay Rays. One of the topics I want to talk to uh, Richard Justice about is the opener, whether he thinks that the opener can survive legalized gambling. Um, it's an interesting topic because if you ever bet baseball, and I don't know whether Richard has or not, I have bet baseball um, through many, many years. You, you just know that the game is decided. Like in football, you, you kind of measure. You don't go, well, you know, um, uh, Joe Flacco's starting against, um, um, what's the guy's name? For the, yeah, Andy Dalton. You, you don't, like, go, wow, I like Flacco versus Dalton better. The quarterback doesn't kind of control the game of football the way a baseball pitcher does, where every play is initiated by that starting pitcher. So uh, people bet in baseball almost solely, okay? Like you could have a team like the uh, 1984 Detroit Tigers that started the season 35-5. and Maybe some smart people went once it was at 20-2 and or something like that might have said, hey, I'm just going to bet the Tigers every day until they lose. But in baseball, normally what you do is tonight's matchup is David Hess versus Diego Castillo. But you know that Castillo is only going to be in the game for one or two innings. It doesn't allow you to hook onto that starting pitcher in a baseball wager. So we'll talk about that moving forward. Uh, but joining us right now is a very fine baseball writer, and he's just a fine writer, and he's also an, an opera singer extraordinaire, and that is the one, the only, Dave Shining. How are you, Dave? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Hey, I don't know, have you ever, uh, I was leaving this to talk to, uh, we're getting RJ on at about 11.05, Richard Justice. Have oh, you ever bet, Have you ever bet on baseball? Uh, gosh, um, no. In fact, I, I've never even done fantasy baseball, which is semi-betting. Okay. I, I ne- never, 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 I've never even been tempted to. I, I just, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a gambling man, I guess. But, I just, but it's you, not something. but have you talked to people that have bet on baseball? You understand the premise that, you know, pretty much 98% of every dollar bet in baseball is bet on the pitcher who the starting pitching matchup is. That's how um, the odds are determined. That's how the runs are determined. Uh, yeah. I'm wondering if if Kevin Cash's new theory of uh, using opening pitchers can survive the moment when really legalized gambling takes over and people are able to bet on these games legally Nobody would bet on a Tampa Bay game on the nights that huh. Diego Castillo or Andrew Kittredge is pitching, no matter who the opponent pitcher is, because right. you just simply don't know how to derive, uh, can, can the Tampa Bay starter dominate the game, or is he going to get bombed? It's just it's a, it's a real monkey wrench 
in 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 betting baseball. Well, you're right, and I mean it's it's a real monkey wrench in in a, a number of different ways, including the way pitchers are compensated in baseball in in the arbitration. Uh, that's system. a great yeah. Uh, you know, free agency. A lot of times, uh, pitchers have incentive clauses in their contracts um, based on the number of starts, the number of innings pitched, uh, because it's always been uh, against the rules to do incentive clauses based on things like ERA and, right. and strikeouts. So they always have done it about innings pitched and starts. Um, and and th- that's another thing that's going to be uh, compromised because of this, this, you know, this new system that, that teams are adopting with the, the opener. So there's a lot of implications. Uh, and really what it goes back to, I think, at fundamental level, I mean, that's, that's one thing that might be good for individual teams, but it's terrible for the game as a whole. And I yeah. think that's, that's the problem that we're having in baseball now with analytics, um, you know, creating smarter systems and smarter front offices, um, but, but it's not good for the overall state of the game. You know, it's, it's interesting. I'll take it one step further. I, and, and again, I don't know how you'd exactly police it because there are injuries involved, but I'll bet that the moment the, um, the critical mass of, of legalized gambling starts to take over in more and more states, and baseball wants a piece of that, I'm going to say that they're going to legislate that you have to be pretty open about who's going to start games and that they have to be truly starting pitchers. And how that will be defined, I don't know. But I don't think uh, baseball will allow Kevin Cash to do what he's doing in two or three years from now. That's an interesting thought. I I had never really considered that. I mean, I don't know how... I mean, I just think the lines are going to be increasingly blurred, mm-hmm. and you're not going to have relievers, per se, and starters, per se. You're going to have a whole staff of, you know, 12, 13 guys who can all throw three innings at a time. It's, uh, going, to be, it's going to be impossible for people to bet on baseball if that's well, the way it goes. It's just really I mean, going to yeah, be. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's. I don't think that's going to be baseball's chief concern yep. with, with, with how the game is played going forward. I mean, they're going to be more concerned with, is this turning off eyeballs and fans yep. and TV ratings and attendance? Well, you hit, like on a, you hit on a, some of the other reasons, too. It's just, uh, it doesn't seem like as an industry it's really workable to, to, go, to have all the teams start to go to this. You know. right, right. I, I can see it maybe out of five starters trying to cut back on using that fifth starter because he's usually pretty bad. But right. uh, we'll see. Hey, right. the reason I had you on wasn't to talk about gambling. It was to talk, it was <laughs> Thank ta- God. It was to talk about rainstorms and uh, what perfect weather we have as a backdrop to your story the other day on Brian Mazzone, uh, Philadelphia right. Phillies longtime prospect. It's 12 years since September 5th, uh, 06, how did you find out about this story of someone whose major league dream was kind of made and then shattered all in one day? Well, I honestly, I just remember the news story the day it happened. Uh, I, I, you know, I was the national baseball writer of the Post. Right. I, you know, I'm constantly checking the, 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 the newspapers and other cities, other markets. And I just saw the story that this 30-year-old minor leaguer's uh, major league debut got rained out. 
and then they sent him back to AAA. And, you know, of course, I'm just like, oh, God, that's, that's horrible. Yeah. And I, I, I just kind of filed it away, um, not even not even in a notebook or on a computer. I just kind of mentally filed it away. And I remember going back a few years later to see whatever happened, if the guy had ever made it to the big leagues again. And sure enough, he, he had not. And he bounced around a few more years after that, uh, eventually retired. And I, I kept, I kept, it kept na- nagging at me. Mm-hmm. And um, I, once he retired from the game, I just, I, you know, I knew I was going to write about him someday. And then the trick became, you know, finding the time to do it, mm-hmm. finding the time in my schedule. And, and I also felt like the more time that, that passed, the, the more poignant the story became because you get this guy to middle age now, 40 years old. It, you know, there's no more thought of that, you know, maybe I could come back some, you know, as a 37-year-old lefty right. and try to... And and so the, I, I wanted some time to go by, but I was also really worried that somebody else was going to think of it bef- and, and do it before me. <laughs> yep. So it was it was a bit of a calculated risk. You know, it's interesting. Just the other day, I remember when the Toronto Blue Jays were in Baltimore about two weeks ago. I think they put in Murph Smith, who yes. I, who was th- I think thirty one years of age. He was the oldest Toronto Blue Jays player to ever make his major league debut, also a pitcher, but not a starting yes. pitcher. And right. he was released about seven or eight days later. He was yeah, designated you know, for assignment. We, we love those stories, right? I mean, we love the, the rookie, the, the, the guy who the 37-year-old guy who made his debut for the Tampa Bay Rays, and they made a movie of him. We yeah. love, you know, we even love Moonlight Graham, who, who played an inning of defense in 1905, Never got to bat, but then he, he wound up being in Field of Dreams. You know, we just, we love that story of the cup of coffee guy. And then, and then you know, by, by contrast, I think we all feel the pain of this guy, Brian Mazzone, that I wrote about, who, who worked his entire life and was never a prospect, never, a, never the best player on his high school team. He was undrafted, he, independent leagues, and here he finally gets his shot uh, 10 years into you know his minor league career and it gets rained out and he never makes it back and you and he has to live with that the rest of his life and 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 people really really connected with the story in a way unlike really just about anything I've ever written the story is a lifelong dream washed away the major league shot he chased his entire life finally arrived then it drowned it's about Brian Mazzone it's in the Washington Post uh, you can google it uh, and uh, read about it. It was written on August 30th of this year, but the anniversary of that date was September the 5th, which is ironic because that's the day here in Baltimore that we celebrate each year is uh, the day Cal Ripken tied <laughs> Lou Gehrig's consecutive game streak, and this guy couldn't even get a streak of one game going. How 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 uh, poignant's the right word is Brian bitter over it did it take a while for him to get over it uh how did you find him to be yeah i mean i think that you know as an athlete and as and as a as a as a guy you know he's not prone to thinking about it you know he's prone you know he he's able to compartmentalize compartmentalize it um so when i was asking these tough questions of him, you know, there are questions that like he he never put himself through really. Mm-hmm. So, 
so he would claim, of course, that you know he he he's over it. He got over it. Uh, he chalks it up to whatever is bad luck. It's just it's just something that happened. But you know when I probed him and I and I you know got in deep with him and sort of asked these tough questions. I mean, you could tell that. You know, you could tell that it still ate at him. Ate at him. And, yeah, that's exactly the term I was going to yeah. use. It ate. And I mean, there's a little bit of bitterness. You know, sure. he he thought he deserved that shot. He thought that um, he he had, at the very least deserved a September call up when rosters expand after the uh, after that he he went back and pitched in the AAA playoffs. He fully expected to be back in Philly that year. He was 13 and three with a two ERA in AAA. He deserved that shot, and he thought he was going to get it. And so there is, I think, still some bitterness there that that came through you know ironically i noticed that in 2000 the the next season he pitched at ottawa i think which i think was an oriole farm club no it was not actually at that time uh they were they were building a new stadium okay for for the phillies triple a and and uh it was going to be lehigh valley Stadium wasn't ready yet, so they they played one okay, gotcha. uh, year. They played one year in Ottawa. So then the Orioles went there after that, I think, for yeah, a couple yeah. of seasons. All right, we're talking with Dave Shinen again. The piece is a lifelong dream washed away. The major league shot he chased his entire life finally arrived. Then it drowned. It tells the story of Brian Mazzone's one day on a major league roster. Do we know how much money he made for that one day? He made nothing because uh, he he wow. was never he was never added to the roster. Um, oh, not, okay, I got yeah, you. Techn- technically, he he never had to yeah. be activated. Okay, correct. They they weren't going to make that move until right before the game uh, because he was not on the forty man roster, and so to and they were full on the forty man roster. So to add him to their roster, they would have had to uh subject somebody else to waivers and, and possibly lose the guy. So it was not a move they were gonna make until they were sure the game was gonna happen and they were gonna need him. So he never had a, a thing he never has a day of service time, uh nothing. Wow. I mean he it's like it's did, like he never existed. Did he get to keep the uniform that they had given him? Okay. He did. They gave him they they gave him the home and the road jerseys uh that that were in his locker when he got there. Uh and he and he has them in 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 shadow boxes uh um in in his attic, you know. Now I mean, the, uh, the way the weather was, was there ever a lineup card that was created by then the manager? Ooh, that's a great question that I never asked. Okay. I wish I had. All right. Um yeah, that would have been a nice memento as well to give to him. Hey, we're uh, we're talking about Brian Mazzone, the pitcher. Uh, I'm a I'm a writer of some uh, repute, uh, <laughs> and it's mostly always opinion stuff. You yep. wrote this piece. I felt like I was reading it, and I was reading it. The sun was shining outside my hotel room in uh, Paramus, New Jersey, last week, and yet I felt like it was raining in my room. How did you <laughs> get back as an artist? and recreate the feeling and make it so soggy and rainy and dreary? Well, partly, and I appreciate that, by the way, but partly that was um, asking him very precise questions to walk me through that day, where he was, you know, and when he told me he went to the dugout and and he went out and kind of looked at the skies and... and, (laughs) 
and he and he and he and he oh, took that walk up the three steps of the dugout to the field level. Yep. Because he always envisioned doing that. I knew immediately that was going to be my lead. Yep. And so I had him walk me through that whole thing. I, I went I went back to uh, Citizens Bank Park and I walked. I made that walk myself from the clubhouse mm-hmm. out to the dugout just to to see you know what what he walked past what he was looking at you know just, and you know I just wanted to describe that really completely based not only what he was but what he was doing and we're talking with Dave Shine and Dave, Dave. We just lost you there for a minute. Can you repeat that? You were talking about that. Yeah, I just as soon as he told me he out and, and walked up those steps, I just I, I knew that was going to be the lead of my yep. story, and so I had him describe it in, in, in as precisely in detail as he could, and I asked him, you know, a ton of questions just about every minute detail of that so I could recreate it as the lead of the piece. Yeah, the line as long, that single paragraph, single sentence paragraph, as long as he lives, he will never forget that rain was just uh, brilliant, brilliant. Right. Um, Thank you. Uh, we're talking about Brian Mazzone. What is he doing today, do you know? Yeah, he's uh, he he sells uh, medical devices to. That's right. It's in the piece. Stuff. Yep. Yep. Yeah, is you know I didn't make a big deal of it. I did. I just made a fleeting reference to it. That's that's kind of what it, you know. And he's raising two boys who are one of them's a teenager now. The other one's I believe eleven or twelve. And he you know coaches their baseball teams. He's you know he, he'll go out and throw batting practice and throw two hundred pitches a night. Uh, like five times a week to his kids and his and his kids' teammates in batting practice because you know I mean as a major league pitcher as a lefty who who didn't have a, a great fastball I mean he had to be precise and locate well and so he can go out there and throw a beautiful BP for hours at a time and you tracked down Randy Wolf didn't you who was the yeah. who would have been the, the the scheduled starter that night uh, but but he was coming back from an injury wasn't he. Well, it wasn't that he he had so the Phillies rotation had gotten out of whack because they had had back to back double headers because of weather. That's, that's and, right. Yep, yep. And so they had a crunch of pitchers and and they didn't have anybody rested enough to pitch that night. So that's why he got called up. But then with the rain out, Randy Wolf was back on his regular rest, and so gotcha. he was lined up the next day and so they didn't need Mazone anymore yeah and randy of course remembered it uh, being kind of poignant and remembered feel being upset for the kid you know no question about it yeah and you know that that confirmed to me the premise of the story because for a for a while there i was i was really living in fear that i cared about this story way more than anybody else and that nobody was going to care that I, I was going to write this big, long story, and everybody was going to be like, well, why should I care about this guy? But when Randy Wolf and some of the other Phillies I talked yep. to, when they described to me how it affected them, I knew that, I, I knew that the story was going to resonate. Well, it definitely resonated. What kind of response have you gotten to, from the story? Did you, get well, more, did you get more out of this story or the Palmer story about his DNA? Yeah. It's been very similar. Yeah. Um, you know, with the Palmer story, I heard from a lot of people who were affected by it because of adoption, because of, you know, they've yep. been adopted they, or they, they did their genealogy and figured out this or that. And, and it, it affected people in a different way. This story was more universal, mm-hmm. I think. I heard from a lot of people who just, you know, their heart went out. 
we lost you again. Dave Shinin, are you there? Are you there? Dave, you you're still there. We, we lost you there for another minute, so I think that's telling us from the gods above that it's time to let you go. I really okay. appreciate your coming on and talking about this. Uh, terrific, terrific piece. Okay, sure thing, Stan. I appreciate it. All right. Dave Shinin, Washington Post. Again, the piece is entitled... Hold on. I should memorize these things. A lifelong dream washed away. The major league shot he chased his entire life finally arrived, then it drowned by Dave Shinin, August 30th, 2018, Washington Post. Uh, great job there by Dave Shinin. Uh, Richard Justice of MLB.com is going to join us in just a couple minutes. Uh, we'll remind you that the Orioles will play the Tampa Bay Rays tonight. And whatever the weather is like here in Baltimore, uh, I can promise you it will it will be better inside that dome. Uh, apparently last night they had quite a storm outside the dome, and that's one of the nights when a uh, dome uh, comes in handy. There's all this talk about Tampa and uh, their new stadium Um and we'll see, uh, we'll see how that plays out. Right now, all we know is that they, the owner of the, uh, the team and the, the folks in the city of Tampa have agreed on a site in Ibor City uh, or Ybor City, um, but nobody has come up with a methodology uh, with, with how they're going to pay for that stadium to be built. I think, and the capacity of the stadium is supposedly only about like 31,000. Uh, it might even be like 28,000 or something like that. Um, is that number not working or no, no answer? No answer. Okay. If he doesn't answer this time, then maybe try the cell. All right. We're making our contact right now with Mr. Richard Justice of MLB.com. But um, there, there's a... Uh, a, a pl finally a plan in place for the uh, uh, St. Pete Tampa area and that new stadium there in uh, Ibor City um, uh, the Ibor City district of Tampa and maybe maybe Richard Justice will know uh, a little bit about that he joins us now he's with MLB.com he's an old friend I know how disappointed he must be that Craig Heist isn't here right Richard? I am disappointed. What happened, you guys? We got in a big. We got in a big. It was like the, it was like the yep. Rod Allen uh, in Sempe, uh, Murray and Sempe, or what? Yep. What's you it? Popped him one. Yep, he, I popped him. Honestly, he had it. He's had it coming for years. Yeah. Oh God, there's no question about it. Um, no, what happened was that game last night at Nats Park. They were. He was there until probably one o'clock in the morning. Had to get you know home in Laurel, and he would have had four hours sleep driven in here. Not to make a lot of money, so we gave him the day off. Yeah, that that didn't sound like it was handled uh, exactly perfectly last night. No, that you know that is increasingly a problem with so little wiggle room in the schedule, and I think right. I think baseball intended for this thing to work out much differently. Richard, starting the season earlier was supposed to build in more time to give some flexibility to people within the industry, not just players, coaches, managers, but everybody to, to have some days off here and there. And, boy, it seems like starting earlier creates its own mess 
that with a lot of makeup dates. Well, I think last night was just kind of a fluky thing, and yeah. also we had a terrible uh, April in terms of weather. Terrible. I think there's normally an average of. I, 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 I'm, I'm uh, spitballing the numbers here uh, because I've forgotten. Normally have seven rainouts in April or, or snowouts or whatever. Right. I think there was 20 or something this year, and that just throws the schedule into confusion. You're going to have that, you know, when you play an outdoor sport. Yep, no question about that. And the, the more you play, um, you know, you try and squeeze in 18 inter, interleague play games that don't have as easy a way to make up the travel, you know, for teams that are uh, routinely in those uh, marketplaces. Yeah, they, I know they've done a better job on the travel because they've been much more sensitive to what the players wanted. And I've had players tell me, like, the travel's so much better in terms of you don't have to play that night game one in one time zone and then play a day game in two time zones away. But, you know, it's going to rain sometimes. No question about that. Uh, one place it's not going to rain tonight is uh, the uh, – uh, Tropicana Dome in uh, in St. Pete, Florida. The Orioles will take on the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. I did did a little research last night, Richard. It's one thing for the Orioles when you look and say, well, it's understandable the Orioles could be 50, 55 games behind the Red Sox. The Red Sox have a $200 million or near $200 million payroll. The Orioles are trying to shave payroll. But I did some math last night. The Tampa Bay Rays last year were 16 and 16 after 32 games. Since then, they've gone 140 and 130, and the Orioles were 22 and 10 after 32 games last year. Since then, the Orioles have gone like 93 and 177. The Orioles are 45 games behind the Tampa Bay Rays in that length of time. That's pretty astounding, isn't it? Yeah, and it just it reflects where both franchises are at. I, you know, here's the thing with the, you know, the Orioles entered the season saying, okay, we're going to try to keep it together one more year yep. and try to contend, and you know, it blew up in their faces. Tampa Bay has a complete blank uh, whiteboard mm-hmm. to do whatever they choose to do. Uh, there's no pressure on them. They have no no money. A couple of years ago, more than a couple, uh, uh, a guy with the Marlins said to me, he said, you don't understand how freeing how much freedom that you feel when you have no money to spend because you have you cannot make the stupid roster decision exactly and i said well what if you had a bunch more money he goes and he named a certain player he goes we would have given 75 million dollars to x he named a player right and we would end up eating it so in tampa all this stuff the bullpen you know the the the, the starter by commit the bullpenning and the opener They've wanted to do that for years, but I, I'm, you know, so until they get a shovel in the ground to build a new ballpark, they're going to be without pressure. But that doesn't shouldn't detract from the fact that they've been great. I think they were ten yep. under five hundred. They have a great manager. They have a great baseball operations staff. They have this kid. They're a they're number two in baseball ops. A kid named Heim Bloom. Yep. And I have heard more people say. He should be a GM. Other guys from there have left to be GMs. He should be a GM. Kevin Cash is a great manager, and they do a great job evaluating talent. I mean, Blake Snell's in the conversation for American League Cy Young Award. They have this young kid, Joey Wendell, who you know is they picked is up from the A's, a rookie yeah. of the year. Yep. They have a lot of players, and what happens is when you can turn the roster is you just keep you know it's like fishing. You just keep the ones you want and throw the others back, and you don't now. 
you know, in terms of the bullpenning, we don't know the long-term implications in terms of if you more you do it, what will it do to your disabled list, to injuries, into churning the roster and the options and all that. But Can, I, uh, I, for them, what are they? Twelve or thirteen games over five hundred now in that division? That's amazing. I want to ask you, and this, this is a possible article idea for you, and you, I'm sure you have no shortage of your own ideas, but I talked to Dave Shinen a couple minutes ago about this, and he didn't have a real strong feel for it. But I've bet baseball for a long time, and I don't know if you've ever bet a game of baseball or you, you at least know how the inner workings go. People bet on baseball only – you can only bet on it in one way, and that's who the starting pitcher is. My opinion is the more this legalized gambling takes a foothold across the country, I'm going to tell you that I'm predicting that Major League Baseball will rule out the use of the opener. I, I don't think anybody would bet a game involving the Tampa Bay Rays. You mean, is, is, uh, well, I know the NBA and baseball – uh, understand that legalized gambling is coming, and you have and to they want to pay, and they want a and, piece and of it. They've already done it with DraftKings. Yep. And there's something called Beat the Streak. Yep. That um, you know, so I, I'll be willing to talk of, to you. I'll be willing to talk to you about this. Directly impacting yeah. the product on the field, I would not think that would happen. Okay, I'm just telling you, nobody will bet a game. Uh, you're talking about fantasy. Listen, Sam, you and I know that yeah. these people who bet. I've never placed a bet in my life. Okay. I don't even know how it works. Yeah, but. Uh, they the, will bet on anything. The odds. Sergio Romo's pitching the first inning, and uh, and uh, and Ryan Yarbrough's pitching the next three. That's not going to keep them from. Uh, I um, I. But, but don't we? Do you want? Do you want to? How do you feel about the opener? Do you understand why they use it? I understand why they use it. I'm just talking from a point of okay, view. Okay, wait, wait. Yeah. Why do they use it? They use it because they don't have enough good pitching. No. Well, the, yeah, that's one. But <laughs> yeah. they feel on a yeah. The theoretical level, high percentage of runs are scored in the first inning. So okay. why don't you treat the first inning like the ninth inning and bring a reliever in? Second thing is they don't want their starters facing the lineup the third time through. So, so why not shorten that the top yep. of the lineup? And so then you you face your starter faces the lineup two times through. Mm-hmm. And the third thing is what you mentioned is that they have a lot of young pitchers who they feel can go hard for an inning or two or three. Yep. Um, and uh, but it was amazing watching earlier in the season where they started Sergio Romo. I think some like three straight games or something like that against the Angels. And, you know the Angels are right-handed. Houston is right-handed. Yeah, I the remember quarter. those. Yep. And watching him throw that <laughs> slider to Mike Trout, you go <laughs> like, "This is not what I signed up for." And I'll tell you the other part of it. Yeah. The opener that's interesting is it screws players up. I heard it from the Astros. Is that so let's take J.D. Martinez to the Red Sox. He's a guy that's. A preparation freak. He has, uh-huh. to, you know, he has to have his, everything lined up, and so he likes to know everything in his head, a game plan in his head. Well, then you go into a game knowing that your game plan is you're going to face four or five different, you know, four different pitchers. Let's say in your four different yeah, bats, it does throw you. Three. Yeah. Uh, it throws a guy like that off. And I, I heard a bunch of Astros talking about it, like, and the, the Rays owned the Astros this year. And talk about like uh, it's so different. We don't know how to deal with it. Now, again, though, the downside is how do you do it over a full year? Yeah, how widespread do you get? Uh, and in fact, before AJ Hinch signed his extension with the Astros, he talked to Jeff Luno and said, 
are you sold on this as a strategy going forward? And he he said, look, we're, going forward, we can talk about it, but as long as we have Verlander, Garrett Cole... And, yeah, we're not doing that. Yeah. We're not doing it. Yeah. Uh, I would urge you to talk, if you know anybody who knows gambling, I would urge you to just have a chat with them about it because I think it's an interesting column because what you're talking about with Beat the Streak and and uh, DraftKings, and that's all fantasy baseball. It's right. not betting on the game itself. And the game, the, the uh, over-under in baseball is determined by uh, the pitching matchup, and there's no way to figure those things out accurately uh, the way that Tampa Bay is doing it right now. Yeah. It's I, interesting. I don't think they're going to let gamblers dictate who starts a game. All right. We'll see. We'll see. Um, let's talk a little bit about some other issues going on in Major League Baseball right now. Um, I have you on. I know you write for MLB.com, so you're global in how you're viewing things. What are you seeing in Baltimore, how this is going to shake out with Dan Duquette and Buck Showalter? We here uh, that are close to it, just don't seem to have any idea what's going to happen. I think the feeling from what I've heard is that Dan stays, and I'm not sure but what Buck wants to do going forward. But I, I think bigger than that, they need a, um, a flow chart, and it needs, and they need to respect the flow chart. Uh, you know, the, the best franchise in baseball right now is the Houston Astros. Mm-hmm. Well, the owner serves as a referee, and that's pretty much it. And they'll come to him and go, this is what we'd like to do. They made a very controversial move to get this closer, Roberto Osuna, 75-game yep. suspension for domestic violence. It was a very uncomfortable thing for the manager to explain, slash defend, mm-hmm. at a 25-minute team meeting. That is, uh, that is an eternity for a team meeting. That tells you there was lots of feelings. But what the owner's role in it was just to ask the GM, do you believe in this? Mm-hmm. Are you sold on it? That's the way they do. It's GM. It's owner, it's GM, it's manager in that order, and that's who's in charge. Everything done from a baseball standpoint, one man makes the call, Jeff Luno. And I think if you don't have that, uh, you're screwed up as an organization. Yeah. I mean, look. And and you can go through and name some franchises, some of them near Baltimore, where uh, the, 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 the masthead is blurry. Yeah. I think when the masthead... When you, when you don't respect the, the, the lines, when you have this guy can go over that guy or that yep. guy can go around that guy or an agent can call multiple people. You hit the nail on the head. Yep. I, I don't think it works. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, look, I, I'm, I'm the biggest fan. I think if you make Dan Duquette the president of baseball operations of the Baltimore Orioles and you say, okay, we're, you know, ownership's going to sign off. We understand that. Yeah. Uh, but you put him in charge. Uh, I think you'll have a great franchise. And I, Buck is a great manager. I mean, there's no question Buck's a great manager. But I don't. I haven't spoken to Buck in a while. I don't know the, what what he wants to do going forward. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I listen. Dan's made his mistakes here, but I think all of his mistakes are born out of sort of the use of Hillary Clinton's term, a basket of deplorables. You know, when your owner gives you, yeah, go out and sign a free agent pitcher, and it can be these five guys. Instead of who you want to sign, uh, it's yeah. a lot different to judge and how I well also that think the way the Rays are doing business. Yeah, it's a reminder that uh, short-term contracts might be the way to go. Yeah. You know, I always abhor that term when owners would spread around, pass around these sheets showing what happens on, on the disabled list days when you give a player a lot of money. 
Um, but, um, you know, and I, if you're the Boston Red Sox and, and the bar is winning the World Series, the, uh, success in a season is at least going to the World Series. Failure is anything less than that. Then, you know, it, it is a sort of a different game you're playing, and if you can get David Price for $30 million a year, you're going to want David Price for $30 million a year. But I think in most circumstances, you've got to be very careful about doing that kind of money. No question about it. We're talking to Richard Justice, MLB.com, uh, very fine writer and old friend. Richard, uh, in the old days, we knew Marvin Miller handled the negotiations. We knew Don Fear handled the negotiations for the players. They ended up after the passing of, uh, God, what's his, I forget his name. Michael Weiner. Michael Weiner. They ended up with an ex-player, Tony Clark, as the president of their union, uh, or the head of their union, and he's been the negotiator, as I understand it. They just announced that they brought in a more experienced labor negotiator, haven't they? Well, yeah, and, uh, you know, you need labor labor lawyers, but Tony has a great, Tony is beloved by the players. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, so I can tell you what they want. I think I know what they want. They want, and it's all things that are negotiable. Mm-hmm. There's not going to be, you are not going to be able to sell the players on a work stoppage. That's not going to happen. Okay. Uh, but I think it's all, it's basic things. You could you could predict them right now. Extra roster spot, actually two extra roster spots, negotiated down to one. Four years of free agency instead of six or seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, raise the minimum salary. All of those things, you know, and you notice I didn't mention anything about minor league salaries because I don't think that plays in. So what they want is a bigger piece of the pie. And, uh, and uh, you know, so they are not looking to reinvent the wheel. You know, if you look at last winter's free agent market, yep. you would say, okay, teams have gotten so smart now that they understand a player's peak year, and on average, is age 27. Well, in baseball, that's when you start making your real money at 27, 28. And so what you're seeing is the free agents, uh, that, uh, for free agency, teams were not going to spend big for age 32, 33 seasons. They just weren't going to do it. And I, I think you got to really, I think they're going to have to really go and have some difficult conversations about the one, two, one, two and three years mm-hmm. and, and all of that. The players are going to have to start getting more of their money from earlier. Yeah. Uh, because. Yep. You know, I think we're pat- we're not going to have two hundred million dollar contracts anymore. Machado and Harper are the exception because they will both be twenty six when they become free agents. It's a fa- it's a fascinating topic. I mean, we're looking at a situation here. If you read the tea leaves, it looks like Adam Jones won't be back, but I think there'll be some push uh, from ownership. Uh, to at least explore his, and I get what you're talking about the flow chart, but it looks kind of funny for an organization like the Orioles, although they're in a rebuild, to sign Brooks Robinson and Eddie Murray and admit how important they are to the organization, then let Adam Jones walk. Uh, you know, but Adam Jones is probably looking at a one-year deal or one with an option at significantly less than he's made over this six-year deal. Well, my feeling is that Dan would want to keep Adam, and, you know, and then it comes down to how do you negotiate it. Yeah. And I also think Adam is the face of the franchise. So, what is that worth to a team? I mean, the work, the work that Adam does in the community—it's worth work it's, he does it's worth a the, lot of money. In the to club. The when you walk in that clubhouse, Adam Jones is the guy you gravitate to. Yeah. I mean, to, he's the heartbeat of of the of the room, 
and I just think there has there has to be some value in that. And I may that may be contradict everything else I said. But if Adam wants you know a five year deal at one hundred fifty million dollars, that that's not going to happen. But I, I would hate to see Adam Jones playing in something other than an Orioles uniform. Yeah, and I think Adam clearly made that case. Uh, I don't think it's just you know it's funny he did an interview in July in early July with Gary Thorne when the team was in Minnesota, and I watched it on Masson, and Gary Thorne beat around the bush about how tough this season is. and all. Then he got to the crunch time. He says, so it's July 31st, and the Orioles come to you and want to trade you. Uh, do you accept the trade? And he said, well, I'd have to think about it at that time. He goes, but the ideal situation would be like Araldus Chapman. Trade me, let me take a shot at winning a pennant and a World Series, and then bring me back. And he looked three times into the camera, smiled, and said, and then bring me back. So there's no no question he wants to be back. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, we only got you a couple more minutes. really appreciate the time. I wanted to just do a quick uh, look at, at how this season's going for some a, a few teams. Uh, the Angels. I remember you went to bat last year strongly for Mike Sosha when I was sort of bad-mouthing Sosha. A report came out by Ken Rosenthal about six weeks ago that he's going to walk away after this year. He said it's nonsense. What, what do you think's going to happen out with the Angels and uh, Mike Sosha? I think he's going to leave. Uh, he didn't he didn't deny the report. He just said it's the status quo. He went out of his way not to deny that he's okay. leaving. And I, I don't know the reason for that. I think he's got a good relationship with Bill Billy Epler, the GM, and I know he's got a good relationship with the owner. Look, they were a good team, but you take, you know, I think every time we talk, they had to have their top four guys take the mound, and Garrett Richards got hurt, Matt Shoemaker got yep. hurt. Skaggs has been okay for most of the year. So just like every year, Mike's having to make it up. Yep. He's having to glue the lineup together, and or he's having to just piece together the bullpen or the rotation. It's just, I would, I think, it's just a, a case of bad luck. That, so do you think you know, he walks? I mean, but when they, there were stretches this season when they had Skaggs and Richards and Shoemaker, and who, who am I leaving out? Uh, Otani. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, on the deal, uh, on the they, deal. They were they were a very very tough draw, and uh, so now you know they have this whole issue with what do you do about Mike Trout? I mean, I can't imagine Artie Marino ever trading Mike Trout. No, I can't. He's a guy that you just you just hand the, the paper to him and say, just write down the numbers, and we'll take it, we'll take it from there. So if so, whatever, you can't pay him. You, I mean, whatever he asks for, he's worth. So if Sosha leaves, you're saying he would leave of his own volition. Does he want to manage? Well, I don't know about that. I don't know the inner work. Okay. But the manager, the new manager, they're already training Eric Chavez uh, in AAA to, to take over. Okay. And then they have a guy on the bench, uh, uh, Josh Paul, I believe. Or is it Josh Paul or Josh Bart? I think it's Josh Paul. Okay. And then they have Brad Osmus in the organization. So I'm pretty sure it's be one of those three guys. My gut is, is it's Eric Chavez, but I, I what, don't know that. What was Epler's relationship with Girardi like? Is that a, po- uh, a possibility well, at all? I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, it's <laughs> obviously at some point they they fired him, yeah. <laughs> so it went downhill. Yeah. but that was that was long after Billy left. Yeah, um, I think more and more, if you read Bob Nightingale's story in USA Today, teams are devaluing. Um, 
managers, you're not going to see. Joe's going to want $5 million a year, I would think. Okay. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. I just think they're, they're pretty set on doing it a certain way. And, you know, people thought, well, why don't the Cardinals hire Joe Girardi? Well, Joe had a divorce from the Yankees in part because the Yankees, I'm not saying the Yankees were right, but I mm-hmm. think they were not completely comfortable with Joe's relationship with some of the younger players. And the Cardinals went all kids. So who yep. better to manage the kids than the guy who'd manage them in the minor leagues? Yep. And uh, and I'll tell you, the two guys that have done a great job, Brian Snicker in Atlanta, Mike Schilt in St. Louis. And one of the stories I hear about Mike Schilt is he has a team meeting every day with uh-huh. his hitters in his office to talk about last night's game, tonight's game, just to shoot the breeze. And I thought, oh, yeah. That has nothing to do with last night's game. That's team building. That's yep. letting them yep. know my door is open. And that's what great managers do, I think. And so that's interesting. It's, it's heartwarming to see those guys getting a shot, but those guys aren't making any money. You know, those guys are making a million. AJ Hinch just he was signed for like a million too, and he just signed an extension here, kind of about, about roughly triple his salary because the Astros do appreciate that to collaborate with, with all the analytics and to have relationships with the players, to manage the bullpen, and get a good effort every night, no matter where you're you're batting up guy first or ninth, uh, that's a gift. One more question for you before we let you go. Uh, That's the Dodgers. How did the Dodgers, as smart as they are, how did they somehow avoid picking up a meaningful bullpen help? And this is even before Jansen had the heart, irregular heart issues. It, it just seemed like they really missed the boat on a Shane Green or somebody of that caliber uh, that would sure look good in their uniform right now. Uh, they screwed up. Uh, but I think the way they looked at it is those guys were pitching at a high level, and they did get Axford. Yep. But, so you line up Kenley, and then you have all those guys in front of him. You, you're going to put Maeda in the bullpen, I think. Yep. And then Alexander, Scott Alexander, and a bunch of guys like that. Mm-hmm. And... But I'm telling you, Stan, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. But when you lose your ninth inning guy, it screws up your whole bullpen. No question. There is such comfort, you know. And uh, uh, who is is Shane Green pitching for Detroit? Yeah, he's got like. Now he's had a. I've had him in fantasy baseball, and he's had sort of a fluky season. His earned run average is about 4.2, and he's probably had about six innings this year where it's gone from 2.7 to to four. So over you know, I have four. A, I've had people tell me, analytics people tell me that the best reliever in the Yankee bullpen is Green. Chad Green, yeah. Chad Green, yeah, he's, right. su- he's super. Shane the Green. The were so excited when they got Ryan Presley, the reliever from the Twins. He's done a great job. He's a guy we can remake. Yep. We're going to throw more curveballs. He's going to throw his fastball at chest level, and uh, and he's been phenomenal. And I tell you, you know. I, it's a, it's a reminder, you can't have too much information. Last thing before we let you go, uh, who are we going to be looking at from October 20th to November 2nd or so? Uh, who's who's going to be playing for the World Series? Well, right now, Houston and the Cubs are the two best teams. But that means nothing. You know, the Astros <laughs> won the World Series last right. year. Alex Bregman homers off Chris Sale in Game 4 in the 8th inning or we're headed back to deciding Game 5. They have yep. to win two elimination games at home against the Yankees to go to the World Series. And then Marlon Gonzalez hits a ball over the center field wall in Game 2 against Kenley Jansen in the ninth inning. Or there's no run. You know, yep. Games 2 and 5 were two of the craziest World Series games ever. So 
who knows? They, I mean, October is a complete reset. But today, I think, just I don't know what, how you feel about it. Today, the Cubs and the Astros are the two best teams. I, uh, I, I, you know, it's interesting. I find the Red Sox so fascinating because of the total unknown on how sale and price will do in the postseason. Right, you know, and their bullpen is not, it's not, good. Not, it's good. not good. No. It doesn't give them a lot of comfort right now. Except, now except that they just got Stephen Wright back, who may, right, yeah, yeah, may that, end that, up that's solidifying that, that they may rearrange the chairs yep, yep, and yep. all of that, just to, you know, because you just want to get it to Kimbrell. Hey, but you still are going to have like six outs in there or five or something that that are going to give you a pause. And this kid Brazier got lit up last yep. night, and Joe yep. Kelly got booed off the mound. But they, they do have, you're right, they do have a, a depth of arms. Oakland is a fascinating team because they hit the ball over the fence. They have a shutdown bullpen. I mean, a really a shutdown bullpen. And who knows how they're going to figure it yeah, out with the rotation. That rotation is something else to yeah, watch, but that's been fascinating. It's been fascinating. Hey, how's the city of Houston recovering? Uh, it is. It, it's still, I mean, you still go try to find a contractor, but yeah. it's uh, pretty far down the road. Uh, but, you know, we're, it never ends. All right. Hey, give my love to Marty. A lot of memories whenever I have you on the show. Thank you, Stan. All right. Love you, Marty. Uh, Richard, love you. Talk to you soon. Richard Justice of MLB.com. We're going to pay a couple bills right now, and I'll tell you about Big Bats. That's right. Big Bats. That's Ken Island's original sports bar located 216 St. Clair Place, Stevensville, Maryland. On the way down or back to and from the eastern shore, there's no place better to stop Relax and eat. Great place to watch the O's, the Nats, the Wizards, the Caps, the Redskins, the Ravens, the Terps, and simply grab the best simply grab the best bar grub around, whether it's sandwiches, salads, soups, or subs. It's Big Bats, Ken Island's original sports bar. And I gotta get a word in about something that's going on in Baltimore City and County over the next few weeks. You're likely to see local firefighters on the streets using their boots to collect money at red lights. The International Association of Firefighters has been filling their boots with money from motorists for the past 60 years to help the Muscular Dystrophy Association. When you see a firefighter on the street, please help with the annual MDA Fill the Boot campaign, and we're serious about that. We'll be right back. Craig Heiss joins the bat around right after this. I'm excited to tell you about one of our newest partners, Loop League. Find them at loopleague.com. What are they all about? Well, this is very cool. You can link together events from across the sports landscape into one comprehensive fantasy pool. So let's just say you're like us. Maybe you're playing a World Cup pool right now. You want to keep that fun going with your friends after the World Cup is over. Maybe you do a football picks pool that you loop together, and that fun continues throughout the course of the year. Start a league today. Invite your friends. Single event leagues are free. Multi-event leagues are just a flat four. $4.99 fee for the entire league, not per person, just $4.99. There's plenty of competitions that Loop League has. I mentioned the World Cup, football picks, it continues MLB playoffs, they'll be doing stuff like that. I mean, they even do UFC fights, but if you've got an idea for something that you want to do, you can tell them at Loop League on Twitter, and they'd be willing to consider it. They've got 21 events on the platform right now with more coming. This is something that was started by local guys. It's extremely cool. Loop League. Find them at loopleague.com. Our buddy 
Steve at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square has sweetened the menu with the Summer of Peach, featuring a chili and delicious white peach tea lemonade that combines tea and lemonade with fresh white peaches. Many of us were already mixing tea and lemonade, while Chick-fil-A added the extra twist of an essential summer taste, peach. Visit the official Glen Clark Radio Chick-fil-A store on Campbell Boulevard in Nottingham Square. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army Reserve, it is a core value, a value that brings together a variety of people from across the nation to answer the call to serve. Serving part-time in the U.S. Army Reserve means earning the respect of your community and your nation, all while pursuing your career and educational goals and staying close to home. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may qualify to earn up to $20,000 in bonuses when you join. To see if you qualify, visit GoArmy.com reserve or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. KZ, Sari, the NFL chick, KO from the Pressbox Fantasy and Reality Football Show. You can hear it by going to PressBoxOnline.com slash fantasy every Sunday morning from 10 a.m. to noon. And you can also check us out on Facebook.com slash Sports. We talk about college football. We talk about the NFL. We talk about the fantasy aspect. We talk about the reality aspect. And we talk about soccer. The, the other type of football. No. No, we don't. We don't? No. Never? No. Yeah, not really. Tennis? No. Nope. Rugby? Nope. No? Just no, football. Just NFL football. football. College football. College football. Every Sunday morning, 10 a.m. to noon, Press Box Fantasy and Reality Football Show. Hey, car fanatics, get your motor revving and head over to the 14th Annual Fall Car Show at Jerry's Chevrolet, Sunday, September 16th. Featuring Corvettes, street rods, customs, trucks, imports, rat rods, vintage, and much more. 23 classes plus another 26 award categories. Car registration is only $20 and proceeds benefit MDA of Greater Maryland. And it's free to attend. Check out 14 acres of the coolest cars on the planet. For details, visit jerryautoshow.com. That's Jerry's autoshow.com Press Box's Project Game Day is back at halftime and post-game for every Baltimore football game. You can react live with us on Press Box's Facebook page. Glenn Clark hosts at halftime and he's joined by the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard post-game. Project Game Day is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Catch all of the action at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill where they have tons of TVs to catch every moment of every game. Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. Press Box's Project Game Day. Facebook.com slash Press Box Sports. And we are back and uh, the last segment of the bat around, or actually the last, next to last segment, because we take a break right before we get off the air. That's a little trick we do. Well, we've had some top-tier talent all day long. Rich Dubroff of BaltimoreBaseball.com, Dave Shinen of the Washington Post, Richard Justice of MLB.com, and now joining us is our friend Craig Heist. 1067 the fan over in dc also does stuff on masson uh he's all over the map he joins us now craig heist how are you craigie i'm good stan what's going on did you get some sleep last night yeah yeah we managed a few uh a few hours of shot eye all right well i was happy to i knew when i when i saw that they were still in a rain delay at like 10 45 I said, Heist isn't going to get to bed till 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning. And then even though they were getting ready to, close to, to banging that game, um, did, did they handle that right? I'm not... Uh, yeah, I'm well, not... you know, this is in the hands of the umpires and also Major League Baseball at this right. point. 
the Cubs uh, only trip into into Washington this year. And keep in mind, the Cubs are in the middle of 23 in a row uh, without a day off. And there is a mutual off day Thursday of next week, I believe. So they could have come back, but I don't think the Cubs wanted to do that. And quite frankly, uh, I haven't seen the pitching matchup just yet and what they were going to do because they hadn't said what they were going to do when I left the ballpark last night. Uh, but, you know, they obviously Joe Ross started for the Nationals, right. so that was his first start of the year and the first since back in uh, July or actually June of last year because he had the Tommy John surgery. So he's coming off of that. They had a 15-game winner, John Lester, on the hill for the Cubs. And uh, after two innings, or after just the top of the first inning, they well, he winds up being lost for the for the evening because of the second delay. So, and keep in mind, we were we were about an hour and twenty minutes uh, late getting started. Right. And uh, you know, for me, I just think they handled it poorly last night uh, because it just started raining, and you could see the radar, and there was really no let up in the heavy stuff, and then. As fate usually has it, and it's happened there a few other times, is that you know once it basically stopped raining, is when they decided to call the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it seems, <laughs> and that's partly because of the the time in the evening, I guess. Yeah, and maybe well, the I mean, little bit the playing conditions. They've well, announced you know, we that played, we played the Phillies at RFK uh, before Nats Park opened, and and we sat around. Almost four hours in a game that got started uh, just about midnight and didn't end till about two two thirty in the morning. Uh, so I mean, some sometimes it happens yeah. and you just kind of suck it up and go with it. But uh, I think Major League Baseball could have done a better job. And uh, you know, plus the fact that the Nationals, since it's a straight doubleheader today, the Nationals have uh, a season ticket holder event that they were having. They're uh, scheduled to. Uh, have Jason Worth inducted into the Ring of Honor down at Nats Park today. Right. Uh, uh, so there's ceremonies for that uh, before the second game. So it just kind of threw a little bit of a, <clears throat> pardon me, a boondoggle in and everything. Well, Jamie Garcia is listed as a starter for the Cubs, or Jaime, Jaime. Jaime Garcia, <laughs> against Max Scherzer. And yeah. is it Ebor City or Ibor City? Ibor City. Ibor City in Tampa. Jamie Jaime Garcia goes against Max Scherzer game one. The Nats haven't announced a starter, but he's going to be pitching against one of the uh, the best that the Cubs have to offer now, Cole Hamels. He's yeah. really come back with a sensational uh, second-half run with the Cubs. And it's crazy because tonight's matchup was supposed to be Scherzer against Hamels. Wow. That's so, a that's uh, a darn good one. Yeah, looks looks like that they've decided to to not go that way, uh, Dave Moore. You know, you may see Jeffrey Rodriguez. It's possible uh, he had been uh, put in the bullpen and pitched an inning. I want to say a couple of nights ago, maybe two nights ago. So uh, it's possible you can see him, or they just may go bullpen by committee for the second game. Are the Orioles and the Nationals in uh, co? cohorts together i mean they they both have a pitcher all of a sudden named jeffrey right and one is <laughs> yeah, rodriguez spelled, and one is ramirez differently one's spelled with a y and the other one's spelled with a j okay boy I, it's confusing as hell to me so the one with the nationals is ramirez right 
No, Jeffrey Rodriguez. Rodriguez. Uh, Jeffrey Rodriguez. Rodriguez. The one with the Orioles is, is Ramirez. Jeffrey uh, Ramirez. Ramirez. Right. Say, for somebody my age, Craig, it gets very, very confusing. <laughs> so, so it's at three oh five today and seven oh five. This is one admission, correct? Right. One admission. You have to have a ticket for the second game uh, to be able to get into both games tonight, and. Uh, uh, people who had tickets for last night's game can either exchange them for a game later this year uh, before the season ends or, you know, either get a refund or I think put it toward a ticket for next year. All right. Sounds good. What's the weather forecast? Is that is it possible that at that played a little into trying to get last night's game in? Oh, it may have, and, uh, again, it's supposed to rain again tomorrow, so... The weather's not good, and uh, right now is. I'm just about ready to leave my house in Laurel to go to the ballpark, and uh, it's cloudy outside. It looks like it has already rained once this morning, so. Okay. But I don't think it's raining right now, so I guess it's one of those days where you just kind of dodge the raindrops and hope yep. you don't get delayed a whole bunch. Yeah, let's keep our fingers crossed. Hey, uh, I know we have you on to talk baseball, but uh, tomorrow's really opening day. I know Thursday night that the Falcons played the Eagles, but tomorrow's really opening day in the National Football League. The two teams closest by you, uh, the Washington Redskins and Ravens uh, here in Baltimore, how do you think each of them are going to do, Craig? Well, I think a lot of it has to depend. I, I think a lot of it for the Ravens depends on just how well Joe Flacco's line, the offensive line, performs and how well they protect him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, depending on who you listen to, the receiving core has certainly been upgraded, but how much has it been upgraded? I, I think that's the big question that we have to find out. I think everybody talked about Joe needing to get some more weapons in here, and I think that the Ravens have done that. Uh, but I don't think there's a general consensus on just how good uh, they are going to be collectively as a group. So that all has to play itself out. I mean, uh, to me, I'm a firm believer that if Joe Flacco is healthy and they can keep him upright, mm-hmm. I, th- I think he'll have a good year. Defensively, I'm not too worried about this club right now, except maybe in the secondary a little bit. Yeah, especially with Jimmy Smith's uh, four-game suspension. Right. Qu- quick question about them. Um, and I'm not comparing the players, just at the end of the 16-17 season, you would have thought that Terrence West would have played a fairly significant role in 2017 season. I know he got injured, but Alex Collins came in, and I think a lot of us feel Collins is better than what West would have been, but is it determined that Collins is really going to be the guy or, or could he slide back very easily? Well, I've done I've done nothing uh, in terms of preseason getting myself ready for this tomorrow. Okay. So I'm kind of I'm kind of as much in the dark as you are, okay. and I hate to say that because you know it's just that the seasons are run together. Oh yeah, you're working your tail off now. I so know. it's just one of those things, and uh, you know I just think for for the Ravens standpoint, uh, you, you know a, a, good, a, a decent running game along with protection up front, to me, is going to be the key to how well this offense performs. All right. How about the other team down the road? Now, the Ravens have the Bills tomorrow at home. Uh, You you guys, the Redskins, you guys, the Redskins are playing in Arizona, I guess, at 4 or 425? I think it's it's a 425 start, yes. Okay. What do you look for from the Redskins this year? 
Well, uh, you know, I think everybody kind of thinks the Eagles are obviously the team to beat. I think everybody expects the Giants uh, to, 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 to perform better, obviously, than they did last year. Uh, I think it's still the Eagles' division to lose. Uh, but from the Redskins' standpoint, it, you know, how much of this offense is going to look a lot the same with Alex Smith as opposed to what it looked like with Kirk Cousins and I'm not so sure it's going to. Uh, Adrian Peterson looks to be, you know, a, a pretty good addition. Right now, and he's yeah. going up against one of his former teams. So I think from that standpoint, I think he'll be psyched up for that. Defensively, I think the Redskins are going to be stronger this year than they were last year. Uh, a lot of it's just going to depend on Alex Smith. And, you know, the, the, is he the Alex Smith that we saw last year with the Chiefs? Or is it? going to be the Alex Smith that can't throw the ball down the field and and you know is 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 in the 10 to 15 yard you know range as far as his passes are concerned uh again protection is the key and uh I've I've liked what Jay Gruden's done offensively with that club especially when he had Cousins uh but it didn't result in many victories for for the Redskins so Change of scenery for uh, Alex Smith. We'll see what happens. All right. If you were picking records, uh, Ravens in the ten and six range, Redskins I'm go eight and eight. Seven. I'm going to go same, 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 same as record. last year. Okay. And how about the Redskins? Eight and eight. I'm probably going to go seven and nine. Seven and nine. Okay. Uh, let's flip back to baseball right now, Craig. We're just uh, you know three weeks away from the season's end. Uh, and looking ahead at the postseason, uh, you know, if I were putting you on the spot, and I did with Richard a few minutes ago, who do you see playing for the World Series this year? Uh, you know what? I, I'm, I'm, the Red Sox are so good because of their offense. Yeah. But their bullpen's an absolute mess. Yeah. Unless you can get to Kimbrell. And even he's not automatic anymore. So I really still think that Houston is the team to beat. Uh, and, and I really like, because right now they seem to be starting to peak at the right time again. I know they lost Altuve for a long time, mm-hmm. and, and they struggled a little bit with him out. Uh, but there's that team in Cleveland under Terry Francona I don't think should be underestimated. I think they could be a sleeper. They probably got the best starting pitching of any of the teams. Oh, well, of any of those three teams, yeah. But you know what? If you, if you, if you can throw Verlander out there along with uh, some of the guys that they keichel and some of the guys that Houston throws out there, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty formidable staff as well. No question about it. One but, of the things, uh, again, you know, I'm 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 going to go with Houston, really, to be honest with you, until uh, somebody knocks them off. And I think in the National League stand, it's going to be the Cubs because uh, you know they've got good starting pitching as well. Their bullpen's a little suspect, as we've seen, as we saw the other night in in D.C. in the first game of this series on Friday, but uh, or I'm sorry, on Thursday. But uh, when you can, you know, they have Javi Baez, who's got 30 homers and 100 RBI. You know, Bryant, and I, I just think it's a pretty overall well-rounded club offensively. And uh, I, I could see a Houston-Chicago World Series. All right. I, I still think somehow the Dodgers are going to right their ship. Wow. Uh, you know, I still I still like that lineup they've got. Well, know. yeah, and you know what? they it's, 
they, they wind up winning the game they needed to win. Yep. Uh, and that's a big series with Colorado right now. No question about out, it. At a Coors Field. But you know what? They don't have Kenley Jansen in that series. He didn't even make the trip because of the uh, heart issue. Right. And uh, they were afraid or a little leery about him pitching in the high altitude. So I just think they're, I think they're a different team without him at the back end of that bullpen. Yeah. Well, which is, uh, you know, problematic how they handled that at the trade deadline. I know they didn't know, they didn't know that he had the irregular heartbeat on July 31st, but I sure as hell thought that they should have picked up uh, another relief pitcher other than uh, Ryan Matson is not somebody you could count on at this point. If no. you, if you knew he were healthy, it's a different story. But um, I, I just didn't like what they did with their bullpen, uh, the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. But I still think somehow Kershaw, Hill, uh, Walker, Bueller, um, I think they can get by. Um, although the Cubs got a big boost from Cole Hamels, no question. Yeah, they really did, and he's performed well. I mean, I don't think he's lost yet for them. Nope. His so, own run average, uh, his own yeah, run you know, average is... Everybody knows what Cole Hamels can be about yeah. when he's healthy and he's right, and it's, it appears that that's the case. Uh, I just think you got to keep Cole Hamels out of Texas. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't disagree with you there. Uh, Craig, we're getting to the end of a, a Baltimore Orioles season that's been, you know, it's been pretty miserable uh, on so many levels. Um, if you had to guess how the tea leaves are uh, playing out here, what do you think is going to happen in management? Well, you know, like I said, I think we've had this discussion at times uh, on the show and, <clears throat> pardon me, privately. I think about two months ago I would have said it was Dan Duquette who was going to be gone and Buck was going to stay. Right. And now I think it's totally the opposite because of the way all these trades came down and things of that nature. Uh, you know, what do they do with Adam Jones going forward? Uh, I'm sorry, but I'm one of those people that think Adam could be a very vital part of this turnaround as as a guy who plays right field every day and a guy who uh you know you know is the, is the face is the face of the franchise yeah, too. He's basically the face of the franchise right yeah. now. Yeah. I think he can go a long way into helping this young group of uh players turn the corner and get adjusted and start playing winning baseball again. But again, it's it all depends on what they do pitching wise. If if they don't improve what they've got now, and you know, and if I'm if I'm management right now, Dylan Bundy gets shut down immediately. I totally agree with you. I finally came around after watching him last night. Yeah, I, I something's something's got to be wrong with him, dating back to the ankle injury. I don't believe it's an arm injury. I think it's something where his landing, he's not comfortable how he's landing, so he's not following through on his pitches. But the numbers, Craig, I went through them last night. First 16 starts, he's got a 3.75 ERA in 96 innings. Opponents are hitting, um, oh, God, what was it? It was um, 229 against him or 238 against him. And the on-base percentage is like 300. Since then, since when he came back in early July... Those numbers have to be totally opposite. Well, his earned run average since then, in 54 innings and 11 starts, he's given up 53 earned runs. So his earned run average is 8.6, which has raised it all the way up his season long to about 5.4. Opponents are hitting 335 against him. 
on base percentage of like 380 and slugging 665 versus 400 earlier in the year. Yeah. It, it's unbelievable. Yeah, uh, and a lot of people were calling for him to be shut down a couple of starts ago, yeah. too. So I didn't see it in my mind, but I wasn't watching carefully enough. There's nothing he can gain by starting two or three more starts. No, there's not, no not, not in my mind. Yeah, so. no question about it. All right, Craigie, we appreciate your spending a few minutes with us today. We hope uh, everything conspires to let you back in here next week. Terp's going to be Bowling Green today? Uh, let's hope so. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm more interested in Pitt beating Penn State, actually. <laughs> <laughs> what time does that Maryland game start? I, I don't know what time it is, but I'll be glued to my computer one way or the other. All right, do you know what time the Maryland Bowling Green game is? I don't, Stan. Okay. I'm in such baseball operating mode. All right. All right. Love you, brother. I'll talk to you soon. All right. There's Craig Heist. He is the one and only Craig Heist. Thank God there's only one of them. Right, Brittany? Uh, Let's talk before we take our final break. Well, this is actually part of the break about Ken Island's original sports bar, and that's Big Bats. Big Bats Cafe is located 216 St. Clair Place over there in Stevensville, Maryland. If you're on your way down to the Eastern Shore, and this fall is a great time to go down there uh, because everybody's kind of left. So if you're on your way down to the Eastern Shore or you're on your way home from the Eastern Shore, there's no place better to stop to watch a sporting event any time of day, uh, whether it's the U.S. Open tennis finals tomorrow at 4 o'clock, whether it's the Ravens at 1 o'clock, the Redskins at 425, Monday night football, uh, Nats, Orioles, baseball playoffs, hockey, basketball. They got it all there for you on their multiple screen TVs there at Big Bats Cafe. And, oh, did I mention you can sample some of the best bar grub around, whether it's sandwiches, soups, salads, or subs. It's all there for you at Big Bats Cafe. Score big at the Green Turtle with our legendary crab dip, juicy burgers, or any of our delicious boardwalk iced teas and lemonades. Bring the whole team and celebrate your latest win in our rent-free party room. Need to raise money for your sports league or team? Our Funds for Friends program has raised over $1 million for local sports organizations. Everyone is a winner at the Turtle. Visit thegreenturtle.com to find your local turtle. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our annual college football preview edition, in which we offer thorough previews of the season for all of the FBS, FCS, and Division III programs in the state. Additionally, the edition includes a preview of the high school football season for the region as well. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Orioles, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings weekdays from 11 to 2 and take advantage of their new 15-minute lunch guarantee or your lunch is free. That's right, free. And with a 15-minute lunch guarantee, that means less time waiting and more time eating delicious B-dubs before you got to get back to the office. 
Buffalo Wild Wings, White Marsh, Owings Mills, and Westminster Wings Beer Sports available for dining orders at participating locations for a limited time. See restaurant for details. Matt, we normally come on here and tell everyone, go listen to Section 336 and just to take our advice to go listen to 336. Instead of us telling you why we're awesome, let's have other people tell you why we're awesome. This person says, definitely a bunch of Oriole fans who just want to be able to buy playoff tickets. Section 336 is the greatest Baltimore Oriole podcasts around look forward to listening every week these guys are coconuts and if that's not enough reason to listen they are a great listen if you want orioles talk even during the off season if you're lucky they might even talk about the ravens josh matt and bert are a must listen every week check section 336 out for yourself on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts i'm excited to tell you about one of our newest partners loop league find them at loopleague.com what are they all about well this is very cool you can link together events from across the sports landscape into one comprehensive fantasy pool so let's just say you're like like us, maybe you're playing a World Cup pool right now. You want to keep that fun going with your friends after the World Cup is over. Maybe you do a football picks pool that you loop together and that fun continues throughout the course of the year. Start a league today, invite your friends. Single event leagues are free. Multi-event leagues are just a flat $4.99 fee for the entire league, not per person, just $4.99. There's plenty of competitions that Loop League has. I mentioned the World Cup, football picks, it continues, MLB playoffs, they'll be doing stuff like that. I mean, they even do UFC fights, but if you've got an idea for something that you want to do, you can tell them at Loop League on Twitter, and they'd be willing to consider it. They've got 21 events on the platform right now, with more coming. This is something that was started by local guys. It's extremely cool. Loop League. Find them at loopleague.com. This is former Trip AJ Francis, just here to let you know that I am a huge wrestling fan. I know you are too. And there's a lot of stupid idiots out there that ruin the wrestling podcast experience for everyone else. Hey, Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone. I don't understand why people would ever cheer for Roman Reigns. He's awful. I'm sick of it. Boo! Boo Roman Reigns! Never wrestled for Ring of Honor. Never wrestled for PWG. Never wrestled Uh, in Japan. He is no Kenny Omega. Too sweet me, bro. I hate both of you. And this is why I keep stupid idiots like you on my list. This is your boy, Y2AJ, here to save you. Find Jobbing Out, the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com on SoundCloud or iTunes. And we are back with uh, the final words of the battle round. We appreciate your tuning in to listen. If you missed uh, all or part of the show, you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio and then click on the battle round. Uh, our guests today were Rich Dubroff from BaltimoreBaseball.com, Dave Shine in the Washington Post, Richard Justice of MLB.com, and Craig Heist of 106.7 The Fan in D.C., also does some stuff on Masson and also does some stuff with Pressbox and our our podcasting uh, shows. Um, that Maryland game tonight, by the way, or this evening, is 6 o'clock. Uh, the Maryland Terrapins go against the Bowling Green Falcons. It's so like the University of Maryland to win this sort of big upset last week and get everybody excited about football and then fall flat on their face in Bowling Green. Um, but somehow I think the Terps are going to play better, and I think they're going to win in Bowling Green tonight. It won't be easy, but I think they'll win at Bowling Green. The game time is 6 o'clock. As I understand it, it's like that pay ESPN pay-per-view thing where you got to buy a subscription, so I'm going to pass on that, but I'll try and listen to some of the game. All right, that does it for today's show. Thanks to Brittany Everett, and thanks to all our guests again. Uh, if you want to see this, 
what you missed, go to facebook.com slash pressboxsports, and you can watch all or part of the show. All right? We'll see you next Saturday. Have a great sports week ahead, and a happy new year to all my friends in the Jewish persuasion and religion.